Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sent digitally. That's dead, 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 digitally next to my <laughs> number one p- protruding pod person. He's got to be the one called John Maloney. Aww. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show, John Maloney, and welcome episode 87 that makes me think of year of 1987 number one Mm. single top selling in the u.s in 1987 Mm -hmm. was walk like an egyptian from the bangles i mean it's funny because that song i feel like everybody knows that but i'm surprised that it was the number one selling single of 1987 you feel like it would have become a bit more of a yeah. of a staple, but I don't hear it that mm. often. No, I mean it's not. It's fairly. It's very sort of gimmicky. Yeah, it's really gimmicky, isn't it? <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly look up like who wrote it. I feel like maybe somebody sure. wrote that. That I think was it's important. based on a T. S. Eliot poem. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Sternberg, the the writer, said he was mm-hmm. inspired to create the song while on a ferry crossing the English Channel. This is from Wikipedia. When the vessel oh. hit choppy water, passengers yeah. stepped carefully and moved their arms awkwardly while struggling to maintain their balance. And that reminded oh. Sternberg of the description of human figures in ancient Egyptian tomb paintings. Mm. And then he oh, went odd. Way, oh, way, oh, way. That's and then they also all the people on the boat started singing that as well. And he thought, oh, as they were capsizing, <laughs> <laughs> they all went way, oh, way, oh, way. <laughs> and you're gonna love the number one single from the UK from 1987. That's one oh, that yeah? you're real gonna know. Oh, there's two. I have no idea. <laughs> it's uh, never gonna give you up by Rick Astley. Oh wow, wow. So that, that's also a fairly gimmicky song. Yeah, mostly 87 was all gimmicks. Yeah, it was it was the sort of getting to the. The grotty scraps of the eighties. <laughs> he was, he was given a. Uh, it's a classic stock Aikman and Waterman track. The producers that produced the old "Never Gonna Give You Up" from Rick Astley from nineteen eighty seven, and he was given a career rebirth because of the meme, because of Rick Rolling. Mm, Rick Rolling, so yeah. Sort of. He's one of those people who the meme has really made him a presence to an audience that would have otherwise not really been that familiar with him. But all the kids. No, Rick Astley. Yeah, from and they Rick probably a certain, certain proportion of them go, oh, I like that song. I'm going to find out about Rick Astley in the same way that Kate Bush got a little boost from Stranger Things. Yeah. Not quite as dignified as that, but still, it did him some good. <laughs> and, John, we've just had Black Friday. Black Friday mm. being the colloquial term for the Friday after the Thanksgiving in the United States. And it marks mm-hmm. the beginning of the Christmas shopping season. Did you buy anything at a hot discount from Black Friday? No, I got to tell you, it's a very, it's a, it's something that you see a lot of in Australia now. Everyone's on about Black Friday specials, and I think, what happened here? I remember a few short years ago, we didn't know what that meant, and now 
it's everywhere. And it's, so it sort of <laughs> makes me feel like we've, we've been suckered into an American shopping trend. <laughs> and, you know, if you offer somebody a product at the same price that it usually is at, but you preface that by saying it's a Black Friday special, then they'll just buy it because they don't know any better. Well, yeah. it worked. It worked on me because, as you can see, as you're looking at me through the screen, I'm surprised you didn't mention it. But I am wearing a golden tracksuit, pants, and jacket matching, made of sequins, mm. and this top yeah. hat. And this top hat that was just suggested when I bought it just said, <laughs> "Other customers have also bought." And yeah, it was a just when top you were, hat. When you were going back to your cart, it said, "Would you like to add a top hat?" <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> the top hat was twice as expensive as the golden sequined uh, <laughs> tracksuit. That's how they got. But I was yeah. like, man, that's going to look so fresh. And boy, am I getting a lot of looks walking down the boulevards of Berlin <laughs> in my sequined Black Friday tracksuit and top it's hat. Very, it's very much the opposite of normcore that you've gone for there. <laughs> Just p- maximalist. I was going to, it um, also, um, Black Friday also reminded me, I was going to mention to you, did you know? That polar fleece is back. <laughs> I didn't know it was gone. <laughs> so I was in um I was in Copenhagen a couple of weeks ago and I noticed that all and Copenhagen's like that's where Normcore is from. So Copenhagen uh, okay. has got its Danish finger on the fashion pulse. So mm. I was over there. I always pay attention to what everybody's wearing in Copenhagen because you know it's mm-hmm. gonna be it's they're either ahead or they're right on top. Those Danes, those mm. fashionable Danes, and all, yeah. of, all and a lot of cool same men with, were wearing. Same with biscuits; they would they were right onto the biscuit game. Uh, what's, what you is know, the, used, what's the biscuit? They used game? to have those delicious Danish biscuits that you'd get in a blue tin. Are they called Danish I biscuits? I think they probably were. Yeah, Danish Ooh. creams or something. Copenhagen creams. Mm. And I saw that the cool Sorry, dude. Please continue. I saw, I saw in Copenhagen that the cool dudes were rocking blocked Patagonia fleece jackets, and it made me so, 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 so happy because my entire <laughs> wardrobe is fleece, and I've not been able. to... I mean, I have worn it, but people have said you're an idiot and you look dumb, <laughs> and that has and stopped. Now, and you feel like you're entitled to to get into it now. So, so it's like false. You're talking about like. Synthetic, yes. Uh, synthetic cold retardant fiber. That, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, so actually the company Patagonia invented it in the nineteen mm. eighties, uh, and they, oh. were trying to, they were trying to improve on wool. So they came yeah. up with this kind of synthetic wool stuff. And playing uh, God, trying to improve <laughs> on wool. <laughs> Patagonia was trying to was trying to play God, and they came up with these. Very, these very demented-looking synthetic sheep that they would then sh- shear. <laughs> that, kind of, that were just born in excruciating pain. <laughs> they existed only to give that sweet fleece. Yeah, so they come up within the 80s. So the whole fleece trend that started to explode all over the world it's kind of ties back to that whole 90s nostalgia feel that everybody's real getting into and i have a really cool purple polar fleece because i bought it five years ago for a uh halloween party because i wanted to go 
as uh, Homer's friendly boss and Bond supervillain Hank Scorpio, and I needed a purple, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. needed a purple jacket, so I bought, of course. I bought one. You're saying the land of the Danks, Royal Dansk, the biscuits were called. You're saying, <laughs> oh, okay, you just saying, looked it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're saying they're 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 giving the green light to polar fleece as yeah. a fashion item. Yeah. Wow. What's what's in your wardrobe that you're just wait that you just need to come back begging mm, you begging so much please so much come back? That never please will. Da- please danes i can put the yeah. word in i got a few contacts in copenhagen i can put the word really? on the street that john needs this back yeah, kids I need just i need like poorly maintained underpants to really make a comeback <laughs> um no i do have a polar fleece in my collection as well because i Went to South America a few years ago and somehow forgot my very nice jacket that I that I should have taken with me. So I was forced to buy a polar fleece item when I was there, and it worked a charm. So I do like wearing it, but it's not exactly. It, yeah, it makes me feel like a kind of fifty-year-old man because yeah. it's, it's got that sort of look to it. So practical, so light, mm, so exactly warm. very practical. Whenever I wear it, I feel like just putting a my mobile phone on my belt and just, you know, being a, just being a deeply practical man. <laughs> is, there, is, there an, is there an old person on uh, the train a couple of uh, months ago and it really made me think about the kind of generational difference because he had his smartphone with him but he was just mm. meticulously cleaning his own fingerprints off the screen of the smartphone <laughs> with a little cloth. Wow. Like that's yeah, this okay. is how you maintain your yeah. smartphone and tip-top condition he had a little microfiber <laughs> cloth and he was just like spray spraying a little windex on it and just wiping all the fingerprints <laughs> off yeah nobody nobody in our generation or younger really bothers with that do they he just could probably got a couple of scratches on it from where you've dropped it in a urinal or something and he just soldier on yeah mine's covered in dal in dried dal mm. <laughs> dried dal Dollars splashes splashes of red berry tea on it. <laughs> gumming up gumming up the screen. I like the nineties throw I like the nineties and eighties throwback mm. to you kind of fleecy times, but I want to throw it back a little bit further. So for me, what I'm gonna be rocking this winter is what I call cave core. And that's mm. I just wear skins and furs like a cave mm. person. And it's more real, sustainable. It's more sustainable because I'm longing for that. Paleolithic nostalgia of my childhood. Yeah, we've done the paleo diet. Now the paleo wardrobe is upon us. I was not really focused on Black Friday this past week, Al, because here in Victoria, it was a momentous weekend. We had the Victorian state government election and the, uh, the Labor Party got re-elected to a third term, but I won't bore people with those kinds of details. The thing that I think is of national and, dare I say, international relevance to anyone interested in current events and particularly to DPTMers is the fact that uh, one of the newly minted members of parliament this round will be none other than star of the uh, 1991 Two uh, classic Baz Luhrmann film, Strictly Ballroom, Mr. Paul Mercurio, wow. your friend and mine, friend of the show. And of course, he's, you know, he's at the helm of a 
cultural juggernaut. I mean, the reason that in the UK they still have the phrase strictly come dancing, which makes no rational <laughs> sense as a, as a form of words, I think is a direct, direct legacy of the film Strictly Ballroom, um, which I haven't seen in many years, but uh, I did actually, I do remember seeing it at the movies, what must have been 30 years ago. Yeah, I love and, that film. Um, so Paul's, Paul's, uh, I think is, I think the seat, and people will correct me, but off the top of my head, I think it's the seat of Hastings that he has won. And uh, he made a statement when he, you know, as the, uh, on election night, came to the podium and said that he called his opponent to congratulate him on a campaign well done, but um, could declare victory. And he said this, he said, this was a close run and at times nasty campaign. There were times when I felt as I did when Australian Dancing Federation Chief Barry Fife lied to me and told me that my father, Doug, had ruined his career by dancing his own steps in an effort to discourage me from dancing my own steps. But then I found out that Fife had actually convinced my mum, Shirley, to dance with my coach, Les, instead of Doug, so that Fife could win <laughs> the Pan Pacific Grand Grand Prix Championship, Dancing Championship. But right now, I feel like I did when Fran and I danced the Paso Doble and Fife tried to disqualify <laughs> us, but they cut his PA off. And then when he managed to get the sound system switched off, everyone just started clapping in time to the beat so that we could finish the Paso Doble. <laughs> so that was, that's, that's, so congratulations, Paul. Thanks, Paul. That was very moving. <laughs> He's not a man. He's not a man who shies away from why he's known to the public imagination, uh, clearly. I think he did. Funnily enough, I remember years ago learning that because you used to be able to, you know, you'd go to, I don't know, like a hardware store and you'd get, uh, or sometimes a supermarket and you'd get a home brewing kit. Yeah. And it would come with an instructional video and he became the star of the instructional home brewing kit video for a while, which I always thought was a... A bit of a fall from grace. Uh, you know, we should do, we could do better in Australia to protect our national treasures from that kind of indignity. But well, he's back on top now. He's back on top now, exactly. Yeah. He's Pasadoble's yeah. way back into our hearts, into the <laughs> public discourse. So, John. I spend a lot of time being advertised to. It's my favorite thing mm. to do. I see myself as a vessel for corporations. Yeah. and It's very noble of you. Yeah, and snake oil salespeople just <laughs> putting things in front of me and I just have drool hanging out of my mouth and I go, no, I think I need that. <laughs> and one, one such object that keeps getting... Uh, it pops up on my Instagram feed <laughs> is this fucking thing called, well, there's a couple of them, but the one that I was getting, the, the, the one that's been popping up recently is called Chisel. And there's another right. competing one called Jaws's Size. As you s- okay. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it's a, a sense. Yeah. And they're quite interesting looking commercials because basically what you'll see is a man who looks like he has like a human chew toy in his mouth and he's t- 
and he's tapping the sides of his jaw going, look at me, look at how masculine my jaw looks and it's because I'm chewing on this rubber ball and then there's all these <laughs> funky graphics going, do you want to be a better, do you want to be a tougher man that the ladies really like? Do you have a weak <laughs> jaw? Well, you need to get jaws of size or wow. chisel. And so, so what these are is they mm-hmm. they are they're silicon, they're little silicon balls, or they're they're kind of cylindrical shape or uh, something similar. And they, I saw them pop up a few years ago. And the idea is that if you want a more defined jaw, that what you're supposed to do is you buy this product. And then I think mm-hmm. for 10 minutes a day, you're meant to mm-hmm. bear down on it. I think you, they give you a little exercise regime. Uh, they give you a little program. And I think it's 10 minutes a day that you pop it in your mouth and you give it a chew. Yeah. And it's meant, it's meant to work your masseter muscles in your jaw, which are then meant right. to, to grow and make you, yeah, look, okay. make you look a little bit more like a superhero. You're, trying to, you're going can, for that kind can, of Superman jaw. Can you give me a sense of like what it looks like, what the shape of it is? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so if you imagine a, it's probably a bit, it's probably the size of, let let's say you had, let's say you had four pieces of hubba bubba chewing gum, mm-hmm. four blocks, mm-hmm. and you squish them together. But instead of delicious grape gum, it's hard silicon. Yeah, okay. And so it's so it's got a bit of give to it, but exactly. not enough to Yeah, 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 yeah. If you just maybe if you just Google John, if you just Google Jaws of Science. Yeah. I'm gonna Google now. Man, there's some fantastic images that I'm getting. <laughs> uh it's it is quite bizarre, isn't it? Wow. Oh, they've got a Black Friday sale too, by the way. It's fifty percent off right course. now. <laughs> Jaw exerciser. Oh yeah, this one almost looks like the guy's got a. At a glance, you'd think maybe he's got some sort of whistle in his mouth. That's right. But yeah. Then it, uh, yeah. So I can just read it you like here. It's got lights on it. This one. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If you just read here, it says that you can buy the total transformation kit from Jaws of Size. Restore mm-hmm. your confidence. I mean, this is speaking to me mm. for sure. I could really use a little bit of confidence <laughs> restoration. Uh, in as little as five minutes per day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get our most effective jaw and neck defining system invented in Hawaii. Wow. And you know, man, you know, the world capital of jaw confidence, <laughs> Hawaii. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Proudly made and manufactured in the USA, made from safe and durable FDA compliant food grade silicon. Every order is mm-hmm. backed by our 60 day risk free. It's not cheap. It's like, uh, I think in the Black Friday sale. <laughs> there's the kind of I guess it's the entry level which they call the pop and go that's 30 bucks mm. and then you've got total okay. total transformation kit which has I think four four different silicon balls that have different uh, resistances to them wow and they give you they give you a kind of like if you had really uh, pronounced masseter muscles yeah. you'd have kind of a sort of Captain America style jawline, you know, like it gives you this sort of very pronounced kind of angular well, chiseled face. Well, this is the thing. If you think about Superman, I, th- I think what you'd say is, well, what's recognizable about him is that he has a square jaw, 
not the, mm. down the bottom of his face, which is made of bone. You wouldn't say Superman has very pronounced masseter muscles just under his ears. <laughs> no, you would not. <laughs> so that's all it can really do apparently and I think there's even some dispute about right. how effective it even is in. I, th- I think they, I think experts and studies have shown that it, it, it can improve your masseter muscles and it, it, it does. But there's also, it's also been linked. They, there's some studies I read that, that said you can also have perhaps, you can like get clicky jaw and real mud, oh, yeah. real aches and stuff and Man, stuff like that. That's going to, that's going to cause further confidence erosion. <laughs> That's right. Imagine I can, that you'd have. I can't take that risk. You would have insane masseter muscles, just just like these golf balls on the side of your face. <laughs> but every time, every time you have a conversation with somebody, it's just, <laughs> just clicking at them like a bat trying to communicate through sonar. Exactly. You're trying to make out with somebody, and it's like. They they can they can feel the like shock waves from your masseter joints. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting pushed back by the clicks, by the click force of your jaw. Because <laughs> we were, you're probably getting to this, but we were talking briefly the other day about about friend of the show Zach Efron. Yeah, um, and he's got fucking. Masseter's like, yeah, ain't never seen. Yeah, it. he's the he's the king. He must have spent a lot of time in Hawaii with ancient masters <laughs> of the masseter of, of, of masseter development. He turned up there with his yeah. tiny, slim face and no confidence. Mm. Mm. And he claims he had some jaw injury that caused his masseter muscles to uh, increase in size, which may be true. But then there are various other. Aspects of his face, which to an untrained eye bear the look of somebody who's had some work done, but uh, <laughs> oof, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this here is a, something that I found. I think it's from Healthline.com. Even if you do start putting on jaw muscle, it might not look exactly how you imagined it would. We don't have mm. any measure of how much muscle you're going to gain, Dr. Laurel Henderson, resident in orofacial pain and oral medicine at USC, told Healthline. So you might actually have a bad aesthetic result from it. You might have more bulk than wow. you wanted, like football player neck. So you get you just look like bloody Marlon Brando and Godfather. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, I was thinking, John, your birthday is coming up mm. on the twelfth of December, and mm-hmm. I think you'd agree that I've always said two things about you. Number one. You're a great friend, and number two, you have a tremendously weak jaw that make you look ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. You're always hitting me with that one-two punch, building me, building me up, knocking me down. I always introduce you and I say, "This is my friend John." Sorry about that jaw. Sorry about. <laughs> I'm hold, and then I hold your face. I go, "Sorry about these little weak masseters." <laughs> <laughs> so this is a solution and a wit <laughs> such a I mean of all the things that people would worry about fucking hell yeah I've got a I've got a long <laughs> list of physical imperfections before I get to my masseters tell you what the ladies won't go near you unless you got those yeah. 
tennis ball masseters and like <laughs> yeah, a heavy <laughs> and a heavy click. <laughs> <laughs> the click, the click is like a little mating signal. Um, and I love that they come with a little a bunch of them come with a little string, so you can you can kind of wear it around your neck, so that you can just go <laughs> you can go around all day. Wow! Uh, so you can just pop it in and out when you need. So I was thinking mm. that for you during court proceedings when you don't need to speak, <laughs> yeah, you just pop your little yeah. chisel or your jaws a size in, mm. and you just start chew chew chewing away. Don't mind me, everyone. Just uh, getting my masseters exercised. Maybe I'd overdo it one day and be kind of trying to make reply submissions, being like, oh, <laughs> unable to, unable to operate my masseters. <laughs> you get jaw lock. Get, yeah, get your jaw just la- open. Lactic acid in my jaw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> drooling everywhere. I need to go and ice my jaw. <laughs> so get ready, John, because coming mm. to you on the 12th of December. And don't worry, I'm not going to skimp. I mean, uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, I am going to, I'm going to get it system. in Black Friday. In the, I am going to use Black Friday, but I'm going to get you yeah. because of the state of your jaw. You're going to definitely need the total, <laughs> tra- the total transformation kit. Let's aim for, you know, it's the same. Like people often have. Fitness goals for miles, milestone birthdays, don't they? So I could maybe go for 45, conservative estimate, just, you know, five years of really working my masseters. <laughs> uh, and then at my 45th birthday, debut my new golf ball jaw. Customer feedback Ooh. this week, bit of uh, DPT Emma content. Community section. Uh, yeah. You're doing uh, a little bit of DPTM community care. A little bit of DPTM community care. Uh, a quick note from listener Tamara, shout out to Tamara. She says that uh, she misses us doing the poga poga pishquil between segments. <laughs> we did that a couple of times on mic. Is that and true? Now we tend to do it. I didn't know, but edit it out. I didn't know that that's ever been on. I didn't remember I that did. that's yeah, been we, on an episode. <laughs> we, go, we must have had a few little intro bits where you literally just said "poga poga pishquil," <laughs> and she and she it became like a, her favorite thing about the show. And uh, she said, "Please bring back the poga poga pishquil." I mean, I think that's very easily done. I remember now. I would I would overlay it over the intro. Mm. Yeah, we can do that. I can do it in this week's episode. I'll just I'll do one. I'll do a clean one now. And uh, mm. Tamara, this right. is also the one that I'll put I'll put at the start of the show. This very poga poga. And guys, if you want to clip this and make it your ringtone, feel free to have a DPTM. <laughs> That's a great ringtone. idea. So it's just going to go. And actually, we'll get I'll get John to do one too, so you can choose. Yeah. The Pogga Pogga, yeah. you can choose the DPTM host of your choice for your Pogga Pogga Pushquil ringtone. So I'll do mine. I go, mm-hmm. Pogga Pogga Pushquil. And John? 
Paga Paga Do you want to just just quickly for anybody who doesn't know? That's kind of mm. my impression of the end of the Don't Praise the Machine <laughs> intro theme music, which I would then use to sort of denote that the episode was beginning and me and John would then start <laughs> talking. And now off mic, mm. me and John kind of use it when we're starting new yeah. bits. Yeah, just to give it, just to sort of clear the deck. Yeah, it's a good edit point. Mm. It's a kind of, um, it reminds me of the way that, you know, like you'd get the last little bit of the news reading sting that would lead into the anchor reading off a news story. Mm. It's that kind of vibe. Um, so thanks very much, Tamara, for that uh, that valuable bit of feedback. I'm sure you're not the only one who's missing the poga poga squeal. <laughs> and for those interested, uh, we'll, we'll have it at the top of the show. Um, <clears throat> secondly, had a message from... I had a, a face-to-face conversation, in fact, with my friend and friend of the show, Rob, don't praise her, loyal don't praise her, who said uh, that he had listened to our story a couple of episodes ago relating to 900 numbers mm. and that it brought to mind Teletext, which some of our listeners may be familiar with. It's in the, the UK. It was known as CFAX. And basically what I think... Uh, I mean, I, I won't pretend to have a kind of complete grasp of the technology that was involved, but essentially what happened was people who were sending out television signals worked out that on a normal television picture, there's apparently 625 lines. So they must send the signal in a kind of bandwidth formation. Mm. And there was spare lines at the top of the picture that could be used to transmit words or numbers using a binary pattern. And they use this technology, this extra bit of signal to essentially create a system where you could use your remote control to uh, to punch in a code, like 102, I think was a common one. And then it would take you to what was essentially a page uh, that corresponded to that number. And it was described by Barney Ronay, a journalist who was reflecting on it a couple of years ago as the horse-drawn internet because it was created in the late, or I think in the mid-70s, and then it became a very widespread thing in the US, the UK, in Europe, and uh, all around the world, in Australia as well. And it was this kind of mechanism that allowed people to have access to information in text form, which they then used, as they did with early internet, they then used the capabilities of text to create these very rudimentary graphics as well. And it was things like, you know, daily news, but then there'd also be, say, weather reports, there'd be ski reports, there'd be kids' games, there'd be uh, recipes, there'd be all kinds of stuff. And you could you could organise to buy stuff on there that people were uh, putting up for sale via the teletext pages. And at the time it was a big thing because it meant that people didn't have to wait till the next day for... Uh, the news, um, it was all there at the touch of a button anytime they they wanted to keep up with a developing situation. So in the 90s, it was the apparently the most read news source in the UK. And huh. then in there are kind of there are a bunch of weird stories which I looked into where, for example, people used it for so for example, there was a there was a situation in Spain where they had to ban it because, until they could fix it because uh, people in prisons were using it to 
or people outside prisons, I guess, were using it to send coded messages to people in prisons to to try and kind of coordinate the smuggling of goods and escape and so on. And then there was also a great story about a guy who uh, was a third tier Wickham Wanderers player in the uh, UK and the Wickham Wanderers were set to take on Le- Leicester City in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, but there was an injury crisis at the last minute that left them one player short and they put out a plea on <laughs> CFAX, which is the UK equivalent of Teletext, asking for any interested strikers to contact them. And uh, Roy Asando, a non-league forward, saw the story and the, he ended up being among the Wickham substitutes and uh, with 20 minutes to go, he scored a dramatic header to win the match. So that was a kind of CFAX or Teletext-assisted bit of sports history. And there was also kind of Muzak that they'd play on these web page, on these, you know, proto web pages that uh, then led to the marketing of a uh, CFAX or Teletext soundtrack album. So there you go. Uh, thanks, Rob. That was an interesting little diversion into, along with 900 numbers, another weird piece of technology that's still around actually in some jurisdictions, but has basically done its dash and was uh, supplanted by the internet. But for a while there was a big piece of uh, important technology. Yeah, I remember I remember Teletext. I never had it and I longed for it because I remember just thinking that looks cool. There's some mm. secret zone of my TV that I don't have access to. Exactly. And yeah, there's there lots of interviews with people who worked in parts of organizations like the BBC that were devoted to producing teletext. And they saw themselves as quite an important branch of the news because, you know, if there was something going on that you didn't want to wait for the six o'clock news to hear about, oh, then yeah. teletext, was, teletext was the way to go. Um, or if, you know, if you're going up to the, to the ski slopes and you wanted to know what the skiing was like, uh, well, you'd have to to get on teletext. So thanks very much, Rob, for that interesting story. One final one, if I may. Please. Uh, customer care. Don't more DPTM customer care. One, one, one more piece of DPTM customer care. We've received a, a barrage this week, actually, so I might have to keep some uh, for next week. But uh, an interesting story that uh, DPTM or Ben brought to, my, brought to my attention during the week and uh, it's a kind of progenitor to Spitgate. You know, Spitgate was this thing where, is it Chris Pratt? No, it wasn't Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris, Harry Styles. Harry Styles and I can't remember the name of yeah, the guy. Yeah, I don't know that guy. Who was, who, yeah, I haven't seen him in much. Anyway, Harry Styles <clears throat> was in a film that was, I think, directed by his now partner, Olivia Wilde, and his co-star and him were apparently not on great terms, and then there was this thing where people thought that this footage of them showed that Harry had spat mm. at this co-star, which I don't think it had. But in any event, um, another lesser known uh, allegation of the obnoxious misuse of bodily functions comes from uh, beloved British actor Miriam Margulies, uh, star of uh, the Harry Potter film. She played Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter film. She oh, was yeah. in called the midwife she was in the age of innocence and so on and she was also in a uh, 1999 action horror film called end of days which some of our listeners may remember it starred arnold schwarzenegger and arnie was uh tasked in the film with stopping satan before satan could 
uh, essentially give birth to progeny. And Margulies played Satan's sister. And there was a scene in which Arnie and Margulies are in an altercation. And so she claimed that during that scene, she and Arnie were posed in such a way that she was unable to move and she was lying on the floor. And then she said that Arnie deliberately farted directly into her face. And she remembered shouting, fuck you, Arnie. She said, he did it deliberately right in my face. I was really angry. She concluded that she had not forgiven him for it. And uh, that in itself is a, is a wonderful story of Hollywood lore, I think. But And Arnie um, suspiciously has refused to respond to these stories. But it's, the, it's not the first time Margulies has brought this story up. She did it a few years ago, but then she did it. I think on a television sort of talk show recently, and it was it was therefore picked up by a lot of news outlets. And there was an interesting theory which I read espoused by Stuart Heritage, who writes for the Guardian, who said that uh, a cynic might suggest that Margulies' story about somebody deliberately farting on her was uh, was was reissued for a different reason. He said that until <clears throat> she had given this interview where she accused Arnie of farting in her face. Uh, if you Googled Miriam Margulies fart, you'd get a wide variety of stories about her huh. farting. And, and uh, so on one popular UK morning show this morning, she, uh, she did, the cameras didn't pick it up, but what they did pick up was returning from an ad break. Co-host of the show, Philip Schofield, was in hysterics and said, that Margulies had just done the most enormous fart, and then there was a, then there was another documentary film that she was in where she farted during a yoga class. There was a cameo that she did for somebody where, for some reason, she farted and then sent it to on them on command. Oh, on and command then sent it to them. Well, I think they must have included it in their request because she seemed to do it very deliberately. So maybe there was a little bit too much Margulies fart content in the in the Google sphere, and she was trying to game the search. <laughs> function by ensuring that when you Google uh, Miriam Margulies fart, uh, it's about Arnie farting in her face, which is a wise move. I don't know if, she, I mean, you will never know, I guess, whether she did that deliberately, but it's like theory. Much everybody, that was episode number 87 of Don't Christ and What an episode it's been. We've absolutely loved talking to you about the re-emergence of fashion fibre polar fleece into the trendosphere. It's light, it's warm, and it's the toast of the Copenhagen fashion elite. Drape yourself in polar fleece right now. And we've absolutely loved <laughs> congratulating Star of Strictly Ballroom, King of the Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-Pop-
more exercising silicon balls. Come on, listeners, why don't you get as many of those massive-to-mouth balls into your gob right now as you can possibly fit. And what a joy it's been reading out some DPTM community feedback emails. Thanks very much, DPTMers, for your reach-out hygiene. We love exercising a little bit of community care. As always, I've been one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holland. And as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one pod pie. He's got to be the one who... John Maloney. Thanks so much, everybody, and thank you, Don't Praises. We can't wait to see you next week. Ah. Uh, the podcast.